Thank you, Kim, for the children's message this morning. Before we open God's Word, let us bow our heads in prayer. Come to you with Jesus. We come to you boldly. Heavenly Father, your Son has broken down the dividing wall of hostility and has brought peace. And we come to you confidently, boldly, audaciously. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will open up our hearts and our minds, that we might receive you this morning. Yes, Lord, we wait. We wait for your Holy Spirit to fill, to enlighten, to inspire, and to empower us so that we might live on mission. So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You know, when we think of mission, we think of being on the move, right? Purpose and meaning, action. But in many ways, living missionally is waiting. It is waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit to fill us that we might be witnesses throughout all the earth. And as we wait, we're confronted with our situation. We're we're, we're confronted with our challenges. We're confronted with ourselves. You see, when we're faced with uncertainty and fear and frustration, what do we do? What do we trust in? As we're waiting, what do we put our hope in? How do we flourish as people? Where do we find satisfaction and comfort and calm? Where do we find purpose and meaning and hope? All these questions concern the single most important question which we find in the book of Acts this morning. It's no coincidence that we hear this scripture reading on this mission Sunday. When we consider our purpose and our identity as a church and what we're to do. It is here where everything stands or falls. This is the question that every church and person must sincerely ask themselves. It's the question of what is Christianity? What is it that we believe And I say this in light of many other interesting and admirable topics like missions, charitable endeavors, church planting, profitable Christian ideals, and profound theological doctrines. These are all important and worthy endeavors, but they cannot nor should not be considered unless we first come to a truthful understanding of what Christianity is. So where should we start to answer this question? We do not begin with the 21st century. Neither do we simply go back 500 years to the Reformation 
No, we must go back to the beginning. We must go back to the beginning and consider all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken away. We must go back and observe the facts and the authority and the power of Christ. And those are the three things that I want us to look at this morning. The facts, the authority, and the power of Christ. This is what we discover in this text this morning, is that this faith is a real faith. There's real authority and there is real power. After all, how is it that this small group of people shook the Roman Empire? What did they preach? What did they believe? What was their identity? Was it philosophical ideals? Social initiatives? Customs and practices? Moralistic therapy? Motivational speaking? What did they place their hope in? Was it talent and strategic thinking? Did they place their confidence in organizational development and theory? What did they believe in? I submit that they believed in the beginning and the until of Jesus Christ. And this is how Luke frames what Christianity is. He says it's the beginning and the until of Jesus Christ. Not the beginning and the end. No, because Jesus is alive. He is living. He is acting. It's the beginning and the until of Jesus Christ. That's how Luke defines Christianity. The beginning and the until of Jesus Christ. Why? Because lovers of God are eager to learn and to know what Christianity is. And this is who this book is addressed to. Theophilus, lover of God. The one who is loved by God. Now, many scholars debate as to whether this was, in fact, a real historical person. But regardless, there's profound meaning for God's church here, isn't there? If we wish to know what Christianity is, then we must be loved by God and we must be lovers of him. Do we know that we have been loved by God? Do we know that we are in fact lovers of Him? Do we long for Him and desire Him? Do we see Him? Do we savor Him? If we first do not love Him, or if we first do not know that we're loved by Him, then we certainly will not see and savor Him. See, the glorious answer of what Christianity is is belongs to those who truly love him. So where did Luke begin in defining and showing the Christian faith to Theophilus? He begins with the facts. Luke says, the good news of the Christian faith is steeped and certain and sure events of the past. It's not about subjectivity and uncertainty. It's not simply left to one's own judgment. No, Christianity is rooted in historical facts, real facts. It's about 
a real Jesus, the beginning and the until him of him. The real, it's about a real and a living church. It's about real facts. It's about believing in a real person who walked this earth at a real time, in a real place, who taught real lessons, who performed real acts. Christianity is about a real Jesus. All that he did and all that he taught. That's what we're told. Now, unique to all other religions, Christianity is revealed through factual and secure and reliable data. It's about Jesus of Nazareth, God in the flesh, who lived in a real, a real life and died a real death, who rose from a real grave and really ascended to a real heavenly father. It's about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And this is what we read in, in Acts chapter 1. Verse 1 and 2. And Luke is summarizing his gospel here, isn't he? Luke is the one who wrote the gospel and also wrote this book, Acts. And here he is defining Christianity. But it does not end there, does it? It's also about the until of Jesus. In other words, the living and the acting of Jesus now in and through his church. God is alive Jesus not only dominates the Gospel of Luke, he is dominating the book of Acts. It's about the real Jesus, the real authority, the real power of Christ for his church. So if we are to live missionally, then we must know this real Jesus. He must dominate our life. What matters to living missionally is not our identity. It's not the All Saints mission statement. It's not the pastor's vision. It's not even the Anglican way. What really matters is Jesus. We must know not only all that he began to do and to teach, but all that he continues to do in and through his church. Jesus dominates the book of Acts, just as he dominates the Gospel of Luke. But Christianity is about also the authority of Jesus. He is Savior. He is Lord. He is God in the flesh. He is authoritative. We read in verse 2 that Jesus had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles for whom he chose. And in verse 3 of how he presented himself alive to them after his suffering and many proofs. That he appeared to them for 40 days speaking about the kingdom of God. Now why do you think that Jesus gave such a witness? After all, he is presenting and proving and appearing and speaking of his kingdom is it not to show and to make known his real authority? Isn't that why Jesus is giving such a clear witness of his power? Now notice how Christ does not keep his authority to himself. 
but he gives it to his apostles. And he gives it to them through the power of the Holy Spirit. We read this in verse 2. Yes, he is really authoritative, choosing and commanding through the power of the Holy Spirit, as we read in verse 2. And this is why he instructs in verse 4 to not depart Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. And then he makes clear this promise. He qualifies what this promise actually is. It is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is not many days from now, he says. Just as the apostles waited for the Holy Spirit, so must God's church be waiting for the Holy Spirit. Yes, we must wait for the Holy Spirit to enable and empower us to share the wonderful works of God. For God did not give the spirit of fear, we are told in 2 Timothy, but of power, of love, and self-control. We are to walk and to live and to share and to witness the power and the love and the self-control that we have only through the Holy Spirit. You see, Christianity is about authority. It's about the covenantal promise of the Father, the redeeming work of the Son. And it's about the authorizing power of the Holy Spirit. It is exhilarating. It is frightening. But it is glorious. I think of a horse. I grew up with horses. And I have many stories of riding on horses, experiencing kind of that frightful experience of a horse. It's, it is a wild experience, isn't it? It's exhilarating. Riding on a horse in an open field at full speed and not falling off. That's what living on mission is like. Living boldly under the authority of Christ It's not building our life, you see, but waiting for His Spirit to equip and enable and empower us to give witness. And witness of what? Witness of the cross of Christ and also witness of His resurrection. That's the authorizing power for which Paul describes in Romans chapter 8, isn't it? He says, what then shall we say of these things? See, when the early church was faced with persecution and difficulty and trials, what then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? You see how they're giving witness of the cross of Christ. And later in verse 35, Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. No, we're not. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, 
nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Do you hear the witness of the cross and the resurrection? And listen to what he says to his church or to the church in Ephesus. Paul writes, he writes of this supreme gift, of this supreme authority. He says that this is the hope for which we are called. This is the hope to which he has called us. It's the riches of his glorious inheritance, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rules and authority, power and dominion above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And listen to what he says He says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him head over all things. To who? To the church. Which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. You see, the good news is not simply that Christianity is about facts. It is indeed about facts, but It's not just that we observe this historical person in the distant past. No, the good news is that these facts are for us. That these facts are for us even now. And we can live on mission now. Christ has infected us like a virus has infected us, but it's not unto death. It's unto peace and the pleasure of God. If we are the living church, then we must know the all-consuming authority of Christ. Yes, we must wait and pray like Christ instructed His disciples in the garden. We must wait like Christ instructed His disciples for the coming of the Holy Spirit. We must give witness to the unconquerable King So may we be like those in the early church who longed and prepared themselves to be martyred. And that is where this word witness comes from. Martyria it is. It means to be a witness in life and in death. We must be like the early church that longed to be martyrs for Christ. We must be witnesses of the cross of Christ and witnesses of his resurrection. Christianity is about, is real. Christianity is real. Christianity is about a real authority. And it's about a real power. We read in verses 6 to 8 that before it's about knowledge, it's about power. Now, we emphasize, as good evangelicals, we emphasize the good news, right? The gospel. But even before the gospel, it's about the power. The power of Christ. What does Paul say? He says, if God had not first loved us, we would not love him. 
You see, it's about the revelation of God. It's about the power of God. Revealing himself to us. When the disciples had come together, they inquired if the Lord were at this time to restore the kingdom of Israel. And notice how Jesus responds. He says, it's not for you to know the time or the season that the Father has fixed by his own authority. See, it's, it's not to know. They have this, we have this propensity to feed off of the tree of knowledge. But we're not to feed off the tree of knowledge. We are to feed off the tree of life. That's where the power comes. And this is what he says. He says, but it is for you to receive power when the Holy Spirit is to come upon you. You hear that negative conjunction, but it's not for you to know, but it's for you to receive the power when the Holy Spirit is to come upon you. And why is this? So that the church might be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, it's about the real Jesus, the real authority and the real power so that we might be real witnesses of Christ. You see how Jesus not only dominates the, the Luke, Luke's gospel, but dominates the book of Acts? We call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit, but it's better should be called the Acts of Christ through the Holy Spirit. Christ is really present in this book. Christ is really present here and now through His Holy Spirit. And we must wait to receive Him. Yes, we must wait and pray that we might be witnesses throughout all the world. It's about the living and the reigning Jesus through his church. That's what the book of Acts is about, and that's what we are about here. We're on mission. You see, the essence of Christianity is not that it calls us to do something. No. The essence of Christianity is that it reveals to us what God has done and is doing. That's what Christianity is, and that's what living on mission is. It's what God is doing in and through us, His church. He acted, and He is alive, and He is acting even now. The real power and the purpose of the church is not in how much we know. It's in how much we show. Yes, certainly there is much that we know. God has revealed Himself to us. We see Him through the image of Jesus Christ and the very work and reward for which He has accomplished. But how much do we seek after knowledge? If only we just sought to show. To show. Then maybe then we could actually live that cross for which we are to carry. We are, maybe then we would be able to reflect the cross of Christ and carry our own crosses. And so I ask, have we encountered the power of the Holy Spirit are our hearts burning within us? Are we happy to give witness more than wisdom? Are we happy to be martyrs more than messengers? 
The living church is a witnessing church. It's a church on mission. A church that gives witness in the life and in death for the glory of Christ. Are we sharing the works of God? You see, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in chapter 2, we don't find the church protesting Roman tyranny. They were not deciding what resolutions to send to the emperor. They were not expressing their own opinion on current affairs. No, they were sharing the wonderful works of God. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 11. We are told that both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues. And what are they saying? The mighty works of God. We are to share the wonderful works of God. We are to give witness to His work. Yes, the Lord does not give the spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And so I ask, are we the living church? Are we speaking and showing the mighty works of God? If we wish to draw to faith those who do not yet believe, if we wish to fan to flame the fires of faith in those whose first love for Christ has cooled, if we wish to provide a home for God's children to be nurtured and nourished and known, then we must share the wonderful works of God. Amen.